0: It's September 7th, 2023. This is Rook. Welcome to episode 285 of Rook. I'm Gian Gomeshi. Hello to you from Toronto. Hello to you from Canada. Salam tostana Aziz. Durud b'ashoma. Hope you're doing well. Wherever you are tuning in from around the world, we are on our ongoing mission to build a new audiovisual encyclopedia of Iranian diaspora identity. This is the Thinking Thinking persons of Rook music. You see? You know, the normal music's like apathy. This is yeah. like, the this is a new thinking era. It's different. The other shows, there was no thinking. No thinking. Now in the other thinking, shows. yes. Thinking music. It's
1: the new season.
0: Welcome to the new season of Rook. Actually, it's almost a new season of Rook. This is a new episode, but the season preview and our actual season launch is next week, Thursday, September 14th. Does that make any sense?
1: It makes total sense. How does it make sense? We've got a big show next week, uh-huh. which needs a preview, which is why we're here.
0: I see. The, the big launch is next week, so mm-hmm. this is a preview of the big launch. Exactly. But this is a new show. New show. So is this part of the new season or not part of the new season?
1: Technically, Yes. But I it's see. not the first episode, it's the preview. I,
0: I like how I make these decisions and then I ask you why they make Someone's sense. Someone's got to an answer for it. <laughs> that is the voice of Smart Pega, back for another season here after the a, a, a little summer respite. Mm-hmm. Hello Smart Pega, nice to have you in the studio. Hello. And our returning champion, I should also mention journalist and producer, Massa Mortezavi, also here in the studio. Hello.
2: Hi, Jianjun. Thank y- you for having me You've again. promised
0: me we're going to see a lot more of you
2: Yes. here in
0: our studio, uh, especially as part of the Rook Roundup. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank Thanks you for being much.
2: here. Thank you.
0: So, uh, okay, let me explain this. So next week <laughs> is, our, is our season launch. Yes. A big show. It's entitled The Uprising one year later. Um, a lot of well-known and familiar names, prominent Iranians from around the world will mm-hmm. be joining us for a reflection of the state of the Iranian community, the state of Iran, and the state of the uprising for freedom and democracy in Iran, almost exactly one year after the killing of Massa Amini. That's next week. In the meantime, we're going to set up our new season on this show, talking about what we've uh, miss discussing over the last few weeks uh, when we're doing best of versions of the, show, of the show what what's been happening in iran and across the diaspora we're going to do our first rook roundup of the season mm-hmm. Pega of course you're here and is here and we're going to gear up to next week's anniversary and our tribute show and and also we're going to get to some personal reflections on how we've spent the summer or what we've been doing first of mm-hmm, all it's right? really hot in here it is and you know it's hot in toronto
1: Yes, it's what do they call it? Indian summer? Is that what it is?
0: I don't know. If that, I think that's a racist. term. No. <laughs> I don't think you can say that anymore. Isn't that
1: what they call it? When, uh, it like, is in what September, we used to call it. Yeah. <laughs> Politically correct yeah, or not? Indian I'm summer not used sure. to
0: be uh, meaning like we're into the fall, but it right. suddenly gets warm for a week. I think it's I think it's I, I no don't think longer the say term that. used. I think you can say anything with a racial name. <laughs> 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 well,
2: officially, it's not fall yet. We're still in summer, right? That's yeah. True. So it's.
0: I don't think Indian so summer, summer can happen okay. yet. Yeah. Even if it's a correct term, <laughs> I think it needs to be later. If it's not a correct term, our our apologies. Uh, the um. But you know the thing about Toronto being hot is I have a. I've I've spent a bunch of the summer traveling, or mm-hmm. in, in August I was in a few different places, and and I was seeing some friends, uh, some Iranian friends as well from in far places, right. And they always have this attitude with Toronto, like you know the Picasso, you know the guy, yeah, the guy the kickball the <laughs> yes. kick- kickboxer he's a champion kickboxer right he's very 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 uh uh healthy guy you know <laughs>
1: I'm, I'm wondering I'm, how this is going. i'm be always around him too. and i'm
0: like uh is uh, you know i'm aware of how healthy he is okay you know so i saw him in istanbul right you know really nice guy he's my friend mm-hmm. right i always say hey come to toronto and he i mean he's a guy from iran who lived in germany and now he's in istanbul mm-hmm. maybe he'll go back to germany he, st- he starts with the, oh, where, where, where am I going to stay? In an igloo? You know, this stuff about Canada <sighs> being so cold, right? And this is the attitude that people have about Canada. Meantime, I came back and it's way hotter here than it is in Istanbul. <laughs> it's too hot, in fact.
1: We get a bad rep for just being cold.
0: Yeah. We're bad baht. <laughs> bad
1: bacht, yes. <laughs> That's a good word. But Maybe we advertise it too. Yes,
2: yeah. yeah, Canadians. Yeah. We always yeah. brag about how cold and how snowy it is. Do we brag? We
0: do no, about cold. Yeah, I don't
2: know I if brag I've ever about bragged about how about much snow we get to but my I, friends in Iran. But I do think there's
0: an Iranian conception of, like they they've seen a couple of like, you know, images of. Uh, I mean, when we were in the middle of the protests in the in the winter, and then mm-hmm. we were trudging around, so they see that and they're yeah. like, "Oh, Canada, polar bears, you know, or something." But anyway, message to all of you out there. You know, it ain't quite Dubai, but it's, but it's, it's hot here. Exactly. Yeah, but can it's I tell
2: you something? When I was coming to Canada, one of my friends told me, um, when you go there and when you walk, uh, when it's cold, if your ear falls off due to frostbite, just pick it up and put it in your mouth. That's how <laughs> cold they think it is here in Canada.
0: Well, also wow, uh, <laughs> I'm
1: very just graphic. imagining this. <laughs> but
0: don't isn't aren't there places? I mean, I I know there are places in Iran, in the north half of the country, yeah. that have four seasons as well, mm-hmm. right? It's not just uh, maybe they're not and quite, a very
2: cold season like in Ardabil, yeah, yeah. Tabriz, it's not yeah. it's no
0: it's not sun and warm in the it's mm-hmm. winter, right? Anyway, I mean, uh, so anyway, here it's hot in Toronto. It is. This uh, the the Picasso, you know, with the. <laughs> The shapely, the healthy, you know, but scared of the of the, scared the cold. Scared of a little bit of cold. Yeah, scared of the cold. I hope he's listening. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I was on a trip. I, yeah. w- I went to, I, I was in Dubai and I was in, uh, uh, I went to Southeast Asia. You know, I love Cambodia mm-hmm. yes. and I was in Turkey and um, it's so good to, to get, I always advocate if you can do so. Uh, and in my case, uh, economically, get around, you know. It's um, it's really worth it to, to, to go to as many places in the world as you can. Yeah, that's a Some lot education. of
1: traveling, actually. I didn't realize you had gone so many different places. It is
0: a lot of traveling. And everywhere I go, people think I'm from another place. <laughs> I can't go, you know, they always think, like, they, they. I mean, in other words, they. no one guesses where I'm, my ancestry. Really? Yeah. I, I was thinking about telling you guys this. And I was thinking, you two don't have this problem because you're... You're both Iranian, but how do I say this? You don't you don't have the ethnic look that I do somehow. The like nobody look. get. do, do people that? even know do people no get,
1: I was actually gonna you say you look like
0: a white person
1: nobody well I can't say nobody but there's a lot of people who don't assume that I'm Iranian right so it, it's a question it's like where are you from you know that sort of right. thing for me it's always Persian really They do. yeah, well, yeah
0: you're you're a little bit more, more Persian looking but when you go to somewhere I sound you,
1: Persian too I always say I'm like why can't you tell I'm Iranian that's always my question like what is it that no. is not giving mm-hmm. it away
0: because you to
1: mm-hmm. me I'm very Iranian looking but
0: the weird thing for me is when I go Somewhere, especially like it's a place where, for lack of a better term, I know Iranians don't like that, but where there's brown people there, you know, there's mm-hmm. like people like us. They think I'm them, you know. Like I go to Dubai, and they think I'm an Arab. Like they're like upset that I'm not understanding them in Arabic. Right. What is it? What's the matter with you? How about right?
1: India?
0: Then I go to no wait. I go to Turkey. Hundred uh-huh. percent, they think I'm Turkish. Hundred percent. Like they kind of speak to me in Turkish, and also same thing. They get upset, you know, and you know they don't want to hear that I'm Iranian. And uh, Cambodia, they think I'm a Bollywood star. They're more, (laughs) and not just I'm not just like from India, but I'm a I'm in Bollywood somehow. You're like, oh, you you you're movie? You're a movie. They do, I don't want to do that accent. They, they say, "Oh, you're a, you're a Bollywood guy." Here. Interesting. So, uh, all the time, they think I'm somebody who because the Bollywood films are very big there, mm-hmm. and so that's their reference point. They never get they don't know Iranian necessarily. I mean, there's not a lot of Iranians hanging out in Cambodia, Cambodia so their yeah. reference for me is. But the Indians in the, when I, I went through India, like I was on an Indian airline, for example, to get from uh Dubai to Cambodia mm-hmm. and uh they know I'm not Indian.
1: Yeah, they can tell that. The
0: Indians know I'm not Indian. <clears throat> Everybody else might think I'm Indian, but the Indians know. They're like, "No, no, no, this guy." So the Arabs think I'm Arab, the Turks think I'm Turk.
1: But I think Middle Eastern men, like that that's true for a lot of Middle Eastern men. I find it's hard to tell where within the Middle East they're from necessarily.
0: Yes. So. And also uh, throughout my long chameleon life of being guest as a, a number of things, I've had Greek, Italian, Spanish, you know, uh, Pakistani. Like, uh, there's a million, Malaysian, mm-hmm. like whatever. But but it tends to be. It's usually in the region, and right. it's usually it's funny to be in a place where they really, they're really kind of not happy that I'm not what they think that, that mm-hmm. you're a Turk why what's your problem I mean my mom is Azari so maybe that's <laughs> they, they have <laughs> they reason picking that. They have, they're picking up on that they're picking up on that wondering why I'm not speaking but yeah you don't have that issue like you, if you go to Europe they think you're probably European you're of some kind right I, don't, I don't know, know. I,
1: I think I don't know if anyone can guess I, I get a lot of like we can't tell what you are hmm. that's that's what I get a lot and I think it's also I've had a lot of people tell me are you mixed Oh. Because yeah. I think my eyes look uh, like, I don't know, I have like very almond-shaped eyes. Yes. So it's like that's, people are always wondering, okay, well, she's got kind of, like, you know, different-shaped eyes. Does she, would but you guess her
0: as Iranian?
1: I would not. You know, w- the thing
2: about Iranian is that our body language uh, shows we are Iranian. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. I can... Uh, tell from somebody's bo- walking Does from behind body language. Yeah. You can in? spot no. the Iranians. mine doesn't. No, it doesn't. Oh, no because I grew, you grew up. up. You grew now up. Now That's I'm intrigued. So yeah, what is the body language? <laughs> the body What's language is different. The, the, even the way we blink, the Iranians, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> honestly.
0: <laughs> but it, it is the dudes walk a certain way. Is that what? It, is it the way? What, is walking part mm-hmm. of that? I'm
2: not gonna say like dudes or okay. women. It's just the way we walk, we talk, we blink. We, like, look away. <laughs> we have our... Oh, those we acts, have, though. I, we I know exactly what you're talking about. have the attitude that is different from everybody wow. else's.
0: Now I'm not sure if I'm upset or not that I don't have those. Well, she
1: didn't even like, answer if I have it or not. No, so you so don't. Just, no, no, no. Okay. no. Did know. you grow up here? I
2: right?
0: did. We're yeah. kharaji You no, we are kharegi. I won't
2: take that. I'm not kharaji. I'm just recently Kharajeed.
1: See, I right. know... <laughs> becoming kharaji I never, never yeah. Starting to walk different and not blink as much. I never liked being labeled as kharaji
0: yeah no I know because you listen to Radio Javon in your car yeah you're into that yeah I don't mind I I I I, I like keeping people guessing I like I, how
1: that's the uh, the the bar is like if you listen to Radio Javon in you know, your car you know we were at this
0: we were at this party this uh, uh, thing a couple of weeks ago and, or last week or something and Pega was there and that was the worst music like there was like. The, the, I, honestly, the worst Iranian pop. That mm-hmm. like there's obviously great Iranian pop. The
2: ones that the make you we, cry.
0: There's stuff that we love. Not the no. I love the stuff that makes me cry. I'm talking about the okay. the six eight, uh-huh. formula. You know, bubble gum, whatever that stuff. Pega knows every lyric.
1: Every single, okay. even okay. even
0: people who've just come from Iran, like last week, were like, "What's up with this girl? Well, what do you, how, how do you know everything?" And then Super P was telling me it's because when you're in the car, twenty four seven, you have those songs playing, and you're singing along to them.
2: And you just I'm mentioned getting a bad she's a smart. You said it. She's she's a smart. Smart. She just has to listen to a song once. But, well, that's what it is, and yeah. she
1: picks See, it up. I like, I like her justification.
0: You like uh, you, you pretty much only listen to Persian music, right?
1: Like 80% of the time, yeah.
0: Except for that band that... Uh...
1: Except for Modern Talking. <laughs> Let me tell you about Modern Talking. No, I'm joking. I don't listen to Modern Talking. But um, no, 80% of the time I'm listening to Iranian music and it's a variety of Iranian music and then 20% it's like house, electronic, that sort of thing.
0: So basically nothing... You've, you don't listen to like English rock music?
1: No, like half the songs that you listen to I've never heard. You've
0: never heard Led Zeppelin? No. No. <laughs> so weird. Probably not. So interesting. You're really, and it's so interesting because you're, you are western but you're,
1: I guess yeah, technically Yeah,
0: it's a fetishist an Iranian <laughs> fetishist um, you know where the best Persian, having traveled everywhere, like uh, Dubai and Turkey mm-hmm. and going to places in Asia, where the best Persian food is?
1: Where? Canada. Iran. Canada. <laughs> Canada. <laughs>
0: Toronto. <laughs> it
2: shouldn't be Tehran. The best Persian. Well, food. it
0: should be, but even people, I mean, look, yeah, and I'm sure it is there. Or it's somewhere in Iran.
2: Yeah.
0: But outside of Iran, Canada. It's so clear to me. You're used to I, it, though. I'm no. I I go to the. I I really seek out the restaurants. I try and find great Persian food. And honestly, even the people in these places, anybody who's come to Toronto goes, yeah, you guys, the mm-hmm. restaurants there are, they're the closest thing you can get to to being in Iran in terms of the the, the quality of the food. It's better than that. Better better than L. A.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I don't
0: have, want to say that because we have a big listenership in L.A. But <laughs> but honestly, there's a couple of Kebab there that are great. But in terms of great Iranian restaurants, yeah. Toronto's got it to wiped off the map.
1: I have lots of friends who visit from L.A. And they actually admit that we have much better Persian food here mm-hmm. than they do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that's the other thing i found. Anything of note in your summer, uh, Pega, before we get to the roundup and
1: um well actually i wanted to tell you a funny story about modern talking we kind of went into it but i'll uh, i'll bring it back um my mom came up to me one day and she was really excited and animated and she's like there's this concert that i really want to go to this summer can you get us tickets and i was like yeah sure you know what concert and i'm thinking it's going to be an iranian you know musician or something like that and she turns around and she's like i sent it to you on instagram I'm like, okay, well, I pull up my Instagram and I look at it and I just burst out laughing because sure enough, she sent me a link to a concert for modern talking. It's a disease. (laughs)
0: It's a disease Iranians have.
1: You don't like them?
0: What, like them I mean it's a, it's uh, it's horrible it's it's a, it's a horrible experience it's like a it's like cod liver oil it's like something that is not good for your system to I I, I thought it was a joke I thought it was like when a cousin of mine introduced me I was, I was like oh you're kidding right and he was like no and then I realized that Iranians all oh, know their songs yeah. so. no one in the world knows modern talking not even the people in Germany where they're from <laughs> the Germans don't know modern no, talking nobody knows modern Talking except for Iranians.
2: (laughs) No, honestly, my generation—we grew up with it. Even clearly, a a little bit older than I am we grew up with it, and it was the only Khareji music that we had. So we didn't have much of a choice. It was either Michael Jackson or Modern, or Modern Talking. Talking. Well,
0: that's, a, Michael Jackson at least is, they, I I mean, it's amazing to me. It's a really, we have to do the documentary. We I mean, have to. The, now the, the members of Modern Talking probably won't do it now because <laughs> they'll have heard that I say horrible things. I don't know them, I'm sure they're very nice people. Mm-hmm. I'm just, and one guy's very tanned. You know, they have a the spray on tan or whatever that is. But I, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't understand, and I'm guessing now, mm-hmm. based on what we've said, we've just talked about, like you probably couldn't sing back a Led Zeppelin song, or a Rolling Stone song, right? Probably not, or even a Beatles song. But you you Depends. could sing a Modern Talking, like one of the hits.
1: No, like Modern Talking, I don't know that well either. There's just a bunch of songs by them that I've listened to enough times because my parents listened to it, mm-hmm.
0: but it's not mm-hmm. like I'm yes. actually mm-hmm. a Modern
1: Talking fan. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you have a Modern Talking? Do you have?
1: Uh oh. A compilation.
0: <laughs> Do you have a, a playlist that you play that might have modern talking on it? No. Well, but know. my sister yeah. does. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. <laughs> uh, you guys have the same playlist. <laughs> I have my answer. Uh, I rest my case. Anything of note in your so that was your summer experience? Your no, mother that, telling you <laughs>
1: <laughs> No, that wasn't my summer experience. Summer was great. It was a lot of, you know, family and friends and things like that. But um I did like a touristy attraction thing in Toronto Okay, and I mean I live here so it's not I guess I don't know if I can call myself doing a tourist attraction but anyway I did the CN Tower Edge Walk oh yeah the
0: thing where you go to the top and you walk outside that's
1: right that's right so you're all the way oh it's
0: like a daredevil kind of thing
1: yeah it it was really really fun
0: oh wow so for people who are not from Toronto Mm -hmm. there's a we have a really big tower that used to be the tallest tower in the world I think think it's second now or something second yeah and at the highest uh, observation deck.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You can actually go outside. They have some netting or something. Yeah,
1: so it's above the observation deck, actually, right below where the satellites and things are. Oh,
0: I can't do that.
1: And it's that. um, it's actually open. So there's nothing except for the flooring, and so it it's open all around. And the funny what thing do you mean? is, there there's no like netting in front of you.
0: What? so you could just fall off
1: well you're attached like you've got like a harness and you're attached to um the top there's like this ring and there's um some sort of like a not a zipline what do you call it those um the things that clasp harness yeah thank you harness that you're attached to uh and so you walk around that deck but there's nothing in front of you so there's actually a part of the experience that the uh the tour guide tells you if you want you can actually go right up to the ledge. And kind of push yourself forward, and the harness will hold you. So you do this like Superman pose mm. in front okay. of open. I oh, wanna. I did it! Uh, I don't want to even thing. listen to it. Oh, it was so much fun. Oh. And the thing is, the day that I went, it ended up being a little windy. So I thought they were going to cancel it, but they do it up to twenty-eight kilometer winds.
0: Okay, it's a bit of a macho thing, right? It's like what? What, what I just like heights? That's oh, you what
1: do. It is. Oh, I love heights. Hmm. <laughs> Your Not faces right now.
2: No. I went to Wonderland and there was this ride which was in the kids section that is called Ghoster Coaster. Uh-huh. And it's for like five year olds. And I was almost crying on it. And I was just ashamed. It's like a roller coaster? Of, yeah. You go up and down? Yeah. And it's only like it takes only 40 seconds for the ride i had to wait one hour in line to get on it mm. and then i i was crying for the 40 seconds i was on it and then oh. i i was like okay i'm done i'm just watching shows here i'm
0: not doing anything else <laughs> yeah i don't i'm not happy with the big the the high heights without oh, the it. without proper say like in new york i was on the top floor of a building and mm-hmm. i had a balcony and and uh i used to like go sit on the balcony and stuff but I would never like go, you know when you go to the edge and you look straight yeah. down oh, just I kind of avoided that doing that
1: I've done all of it I've I have done a bun- bit of vertigo I think. I've done bungee jumping I've done that mm. skydiving's next
0: yeah uh, it was a difficult summer um, in some ways because I, I feel like that you know we go through these periods where we lose a lot of people and there was this there was a few Weeks or, or days in a row, where mm-hmm. um, people I've had the opportunity to to speak to over the years, or meet, or get to know uh, uh, Tony Bennett, who was somebody that I had the chance to interview many times, the great uh, American Italian American singer and and um, crooner, you know, and and artist, and I I he was always had this elevated place in my mind because he's. He was just such a lovely man, mm-hmm. such a truly, truly wonderful performer and a uh, person to talk to and interviewee. And so uh, it was tremendously sad that, that he died. And then Robbie Robertson, who, who was a, a songwriter and guitarist and singer in a group called The Band, which is this iconic Canadian, you know, band who ironically played Americana music. Uh, but... Um, uh Robbie Robertson and the band's music was very influential for me over the years so and he was also somebody that I'd met a, a number of times and and been very friendly with and and Robbie Robertson and the band's music was always very influential for mm-hmm. me so so uh, another tremendous loss there were, there were many many yes. others uh, throughout the summer but I thought I would mention somebody who um we got the news of her her passing her death last week which was Setore Saidi mm-hmm. And a lot of Iranians around the world will know this name now because she was, I guess, now very well known as the wife of Bijan Murtazavi. Mm -hmm. Um, But just a very, uh, and somebody that I'd gotten to know, we hung out a few times. uh, She was here when Bijan Murtazavi was here. Um, A very, very vibrant, young, very sharp, smart um, active person mm-hmm. um, and just shocking because she was also very young I yeah. mean by very young I mean I, I'm guessing under 40 you know and and um, and suddenly gone mm-hmm. um, an issue a brain issue and uh, um, and very very sad news and and somebody who, um, was very active in Bijan Mortazavi's career and mm-hmm. helping to, was basically kind of managing and helping to to, to book their shows and do all, all right. the work around. He, she was very instrumental in having him come on our show. Mm-hmm. Um, when she was here, actually in the studio, uh, Ugi, my dog, was uh-huh. uh, so fond of Setare uh, that. Um, um, we were joking about Setaraz, uh, stealing him, taking him away because he was just so fond of her. One thing I wanted to mention about her was, as we segue into the Rook Roundup mm-hmm. too, is that she, she, in the days, in the early days after the killing of Masaimini and the, as the uprising began... Uh, I was at a dinner where she and she was there and and you may know I don't know if you know this mass on it but Setareh was uh, um, before she left Iran and she was and a journalist, was a journalist. Yep. in fact she was one of the media that was in the majlis she was she right. was covering and interviewing and talking to these ahons and stuff mm-hmm. so she was kind of an insider you know in terms of knowing the regime for mm-hmm. la- lack of a better term and uh, this when i saw her at this dinner and it was in the early weeks of the the uprising and there was a lot of excitement about you know thousands of people in the streets and everything and i said to her you know what do you think this is looking pretty you know this is this the end of the regime and she said no <laughs> There's no chance. And I said, well, wait, wait. and it was kind of in that weird moment. And I guess we'll, we'll get into some of this as we talk about the one year anniversary uh, next week. And th- th- there really was a moment maybe in October, or maybe September through to November where there really was a belief mm-hmm. amongst even academics who study this stuff and and activists who've been at it for years and observers in the media who've been talking about this, there was this belief that oh no this is this is the time this is the end of the regime and mm-hmm. this is the revolution and so it was kind of almost contrarian to hear somebody say no, <laughs> and she said uh, no. There you don't underestimate how deep and insidious this government is in terms of their ability to to hang on to power mm-hmm. you know uh, and she just wasn't convinced that there was a, so it, it was it, it's kind of a, a sad way to, to uh, as one of the many, many ways she might be remembered sadly she was right mm-hmm. about guessing the the state of, uh, of what, what it's like in Iran and how difficult it is to actually shift things but anyway she will be re- remembered she will be missed and, and rest in peace Setara uh, Saidi Um, we are coming to you on RookMedia.com. It is there that you can link to all of our platforms, Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Instagram, CastBox. If you want to see visuals with Rook, switch over to YouTube. If you like your Rook descriptions and bulletins in English and in Persian, check us out on Telegram. Um, if you want to support what we do here at Rook, we really appreciate it. Go to that website, RookMedia.com and become a patreon member that's a rook member on our patreon page it just means you subscribe you pay a uh, a few bucks a month to support what we do at rook if you're a regular listener or audience member we really do appreciate that rookmedia.com if you've been thinking about it it's a new season here's your chance to become a rook <laughs> member on patreon rookmedia.com let's get to the rook roundup we've got Pega and massa here so um I thought we'd, we'd talk about a few things that have been happening very recently and a few things that have happened over the summer uh, with respect to Iran and the Iranian diaspora and and the uprising as well. First of all, breaking news of some kind, I, I, suppose, I suppose since I think this happened yesterday, the city of Richmond Hill, which is, of course, a city populated by mm-hmm. a lot of Iranians just north of Toronto, just a few kilometers from where we are right now, is naming September 16th After Masa Amini, Maso, I think you, Masa, are Maso here? Yes. You were at the city council meeting where this was. I was, yeah. Tell us about this.
2: I was there. Um, So it was a suggestion made by Godwin Chan. Um, He's a counselor in the city, and he suggested that it would be named after Masa Gino Amini, her complete name, Masa Gino Amini, and then that a tree would be planted and a bench would be placed in the central library of Richmond Hill, which was the place that 50,000 people gathered on October 1st. There is going to be a plaque there installed as well, which will remind everybody in time um, that such an event happened in Richmond Hill. It was one of a kind, and everybody was still amazed of how people showed up. It was organic, and the point that when everybody left, there was no garbage left. There, there wasn't any um, fights going on. It was really like calm, and it was all put together, and it was easily managed. Although fifty thousand people came, when the demonstration was over, everybody left. There was no yeah. traffic. I noticed it myself because I was there. And then, in moments, everybody was gone, and mm-hmm. everything was like calm and. Easy. Yeah. It was really easy. It, it was arranged in... And,
0: and from a global perspective, it was the first of the really, really big yes. ones. The, it, later on, there was Berlin and there was I, one yeah. in L.A. And it all was that. the biggest. But it was it the, was the, was, the it first was biggest. The first yeah. big one, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, it's kind of an amazing thing. I mean, uh, again, for those of us who've been in Canada for many years, mm-hmm. to think that... Um, a, na- a day would be named by a, a Canadian city. Yeah. would be named after a Kurdish girl from Iran. Who, right? Uh, I mean, it's a it's it's a, a beautiful gesture. It uh, is,
2: yeah. We also have a street named after Masajina you know, Amini in Ottawa I for right. a year. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it is per- perhaps a good segue into getting into what we anticipate will be. Um, a day of action on on the 16th on the on the anniversary mm-hmm. just out of curiosity before we get into some of the news some of it somewhat of course disheartening in terms of what's been happening with and in iran over the last few weeks since we last did our uh, a show uh, do either of you think that this one year anniversary could rekindle the uprising um in a way that would be similar to what happened last year. Pega.
1: I think it'll definitely rekindle things. I'm, I'm sure we're going to see, you know, a lot of people come out and show um, their discontent, um, their concern, their, uh, you know, have a way to commemorate what's been happening and to, to again bring light, um, you know, the events that have taken place over the last year, but I'm more concerned about those in Iran and the crackdowns that the regime is going to, um, I mean, that they've already started, truthfully. Yes. Yes. Um, I'm more concerned They're about that. it. Exactly, yeah. because I think, you know, what happened last year, um, it was kind of this spark and then it led to exactly what we saw. These large numbers of individuals coming out and um you know, exactly what you mentioned, that moment where we thought it had gotten so big that this might be it. But I think now knowing what we know and having seen the last year and the regime have have seen what has happened, they're going to crack down severely. They're going to be preemptive. Will going it be, to be more than a day? Yeah, I still think it'll be more
0: you than think a it'll day. Be more than yeah. Yeah Marcia? me too. I think you it's do.
1: gonna Yeah, I think it's gonna continue
2: Although the, uh, the heat of it has cooled down, um, there not there might not be as many people as we used to see in the beginning of Massa Amini Revolution, as we call it. Um, but I think it's going to continue. And what has uh, captured the attention of the world is the continuation of this these demonstrations, not only in Iran but outside too.
0: Absolutely, but it's not continuing. To be real, it's not continuing the way it was mm-hmm. last November or October. Yes. So uh, things it's a, have changed. When though. I say, is it going to rekindle? What what do you mean? Things have changed.
2: They're doing more, like different stuff. They're naming days after Massoud Amini. Know, mean, they're uh, fixing rules and laws in order to kick out people from countries. They're they're doing different. But in things. terms of
0: there being a liability to the existence of the regime, uh huh. You would have to. I'm guessing you would have to agree that uh, today, September 2023, the the regime feels a lot more secure in its place mm-hmm. than it would have. Eight months ago, yes yeah I would agree but but uh, here's what I mean just to add my so for me to answer that question mm-hmm. myself, I would say y- you're right pega it depends on what uh, you know it'll be interesting to see what happens inside Iran mm-hmm. and more importantly how the the government or the regime in Iran reacts to what happens in Iran. Yes. If, for example, there is a harsh crackdown that leads to the loss of more lives, that could actually rekindle mm-hmm. things, um, bring bring things back to the. I mean, it's there's no question that Iranians on mass are dissatisfied with, you know, their existence uh, under this regime. We already know that. It's a matter of you know in those in the ebbs and flows of the the growing ebbs and flows of closer to revolution etc where where we're going to be this fall mm-hmm. and i guess we'll find out something next week in the meantime there's a You know, there was a time when we wondered whether the uh, American administration would (laughs) would uh, stop enabling uh, or dealing with uh, uh, Iran. Um, There's a there's actually been a deal Mm -hmm. that's been that's it's called the September deal. In fact, between Iran. And the United States. Uh, this is part of something that uh, I would term hostage diplomacy that Iran seems to be engaging in, with the complicity or acceptance of of Western countries, much to the chagrin of some of ob- observers. Who wants to tell tell us what's happening with this uh, September deal? Go ahead, Massa.
2: So the September deal is actually a debate uh, is going on about it. People are thinking that before Jina Amini was killed, there was a deal between U.S. and Iran, the government of uh, the countries, uh, that was different than the original JCPOA and uh, that it was the a separate, nuclear deal, yeah. the original nuclear yeah. deal that
0: Trump tore up, but there was a new one. Just. What
2: we call barjami in Iran. Right. So uh, people are saying that th- there are talks from Amir Abdullah, the foreign minister of Iran, who's, uh, who was talking about like a September um, documents, and then they are interpreting that as a new deal between U.S. and Iran. But he's saying that it's not anything different than what it was originally was some amendments on the documents and we were looking into ways to clear things and like reopen the doors for more talks so basically this is what was going on Mm -hmm.
1: and i think one of the things that has caused some controversy um, in regards to the september agreement or deals or whatever we want to call it at this point is that there was a level of secrecy to it so now we're starting to hear this but i think it was actually um amir abdullayan himself who said that um part of it was in secret talks with the united states and that's the part that i actually wanted to point out and this brings me back to my whole conversation about you know being pessimistic about the United States and and what they say about Iran, whether it's through the JCPOA, nuclear deals, talks, whatever we want to say. Because ultimately, it just seems like no matter what they're saying on the surface, with you know we support the movement and we believe in uh, you know woman life freedom movement and all of that, they're still shaking hands with the devil.
0: Yeah, and it would have been. Um even with the somewhat quiescent nature of the American public and and stuff, it would have been politically unacceptable uh, seven or eight months ago Mm -hmm. to to be engaging uh, with Iran in this way. It just wouldn't have been allowed. Time magazine covers, everybody talking about the Mm -hmm. women of... Now... Again, insidiously and behind closed doors and yes. covertly and and calmly, the dealing has rekindled. And also the deal for exchanging hostages mm-hmm. for billions of the release of billions of dollars. Um, one obviously feels for anybody who's been taken hostage by this regime, and this is an ongoing issue that uh, that didn't start with Iran and in, mm-hmm. in, in the 21st century. Um, hostage taking diplomacy, the quid pro quo of all that but uh at this moment there were a lot of notable actors in the iranian opposition saying the one thing we shouldn't do is Mm -hmm. deal with this the regime and give them billions of dollars back for for hostages and that's something that has just happened and it kind of happened without that much of a stink you know i didn't hear that much uproar about it
1: yeah i mean it's you know Textbook explanation of enabling the regime, giving them resources. You're giving them billions of dollars in funds, and then turning around and saying, you know, we condone what they're doing. Well, how does that? We don't
0: uh, condone. We what don't, they're, don't condone yeah, yeah. what they're
1: doing. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you know, on the whole topic of hostage diplomacy, I absolutely disagree with. The, the entire concept of hostage diplomacy. I mean, it doesn't work for anyone. It, it doesn't work. We've seen that it doesn't work. It actually is only using those those poor individuals who are the hostages as as pawns in, in an environment where it's just for immediate gain for both countries, and then in terms of foreign relations, in terms of diplomacy, it's not doing anything in the long run.
0: What do you think, Massa, of the whole situation?
1: So canada was actually one of the f- first
2: countries who was opposed arbitrary detainment or hostage diplomacy when they had two people arrested in china so iran is not the only country who's doing this mm-hmm. yeah. and then they were exchanging those two people for meng Wanzhou, who was a uh, financial manager of Huawei company so uh, My point is that this is not only happening in Iran. This is something that regimes like China, Iran, Russia, these kind of regimes use that as a uh, means to get what they want. We've seen it with Iran many times. We had the case of Nazani Zaghari with Britain. We have, now we have uh, Mr. Jaloli, we have, um, again, we have this Swedish person who is now in Iran for 500 days and nobody talked about it. And they're taking this person um, to exchange it with Nuri who is in Sweden right now. Um, As long as, what my personal opinion is on this, as long as they are enabled to do so, they're going to continue doing it. So there must be a stop someday.
0: But it's not; it's different from a prisoner exchange when you're giving over six billion dollars or releasing six billion dollars. That's a that's quite a chunk of change, right? And yeah, they're uh,
2: buying a person. Yeah, right. They're mm-hmm. buying a person back. As long as they're doing this, as long as they're giving what those regimes want, it's going to continue. It should stop someday. Like there's, the, um, it's it's um, selfish to say this. But some people should be sacrificed for for those countries to understand that this is not going to work yeah. anymore.
0: That's a tough thing to say if you're if it's your family member or I something. Know. But but yeah, you, you know, I mean, that's that's been the position of. Pretty much a lot of the the opposition. I mean, if there's something that people have been united on, it's a, it's, it's, it's don't mm-hmm. give billions of dollars to the Iranian right. regime right now. Um, so uh, that's been happening. There, I wanted to mention a couple of the arrests. I know you got to take off before too long, Masa. Um Some notable names that mm-hmm. have that have popped up in, in in an otherwise quieter summer. If we compare things to last fall or the spring, Mehdi yarahi Tell mm-hmm.
2: us about him. Mehdi he, he started um, uh, supporting the woman life freedom very early on with uh, what was called Suru Zan or woman anthem, I would translate. Uh, which, and he ended up being arrested for it and he is now um, on a financial ban where he can't do any financial interactions in Iran. Um, he did another thing which was very brave of him. Tell us, um, sorry,
0: tell us what he does.
2: Oh, so oh, yeah. he's a singer. He's right. a singer, yes. um, and he's been supporting the woman life freedom movement with his songs. And the uh, the one that I mentioned earlier, Suru Dezan, um, it was um, one of the earliest songs that came out, and it was uh, covered by many other people, like activists, uh, artists who yeah. wanted to like mention him and wanted to like mention the the, the song altogether. And now uh, the one is Ru Tobada, which is like take off your hijab, yes. which is. Uh, basically uh, encouraging women to take off their hijab which is something that people are doing in Iran and they're they've already been encouraged with the woman life freedom movement yes. but this song is specifically talking about it and he was arrested for that reason this is something that that the government of Iran should if they are listening to this they should note that when they arrest some person the number of searches for that specific song goes so right, high right, right. so they everybody yeah. yeah everybody listens already. to it yeah,
1: yeah. Everybody listens to it. It, I mean, I saw the video. Like you were saying, I, I was one of those people who went and searched it, of course, after hearing the news of um, of Arahi's arrest. And one of the things that I noticed in the video was, you know, this was such a pointed and blatant action. It was, you know, the song title "Rusayi To mm-hmm. literally, like you said, you know, encouraging Iranian women to take off their headscarves. The opening scene of the music video is a black screen with some um, some I guess typage, and um, it says, you know, the song is dedicated to the brave women of iran who have been fighting in the woman life um woman life freedom movement mm-hmm. and then the video in and of itself depicts iranian women without headscarves dancing so all of these things are you know very pointed messages to the regime and very mm-hmm. pointed in in light of what's been happening in the last year so you know a defiant act in and of itself to sing about this then the video then the message all of these things and i just thought it was so brave of him to do that. And, and like you mentioned, he's been at the forefront of this since mm-hmm. last year.
0: Um, before we wrap up here, uh, next week is the anniversary of the killing of Masa Amini. It's so heartbreaking to me to hear uh, that Maso Amini's family mm-hmm. has been attacked, has been followed, her uncle has been arrested. Yeah. What, what do we know about why they're being targeted?
2: So it's uh, a method of scaring off people As you said, they have been trying to do so Mm -hmm. before the anniversary. They want to keep things quiet. They don't want any sparks. So what they're doing is that they're going to scare families who've already lost a loved one, who are sensitive and um, vulnerable, and they can't afford to lose another person. So they want to keep them quiet. That's uh, a way of approaching this for the anniversary, to make people scared enough for them not to come out. And uncle of Masa Amini obviously was one of the people who was arrested for the same reason, I would say.
0: And one of the people who was bringing to light... Um the, the the words, the voices of Masamani's fam- family was uh, a journalist named Nazila Marufion, mm-hmm. who you wanted to speak about, Pega.
1: Yeah, I really wanted to actually talk about her because I think she's the epitome of everything that we've been talking about over the last year. You know, we often talk about resilience in this movement and, you know, what better way to talk about resilience than this 23-year-old journalist who's been mm-hmm. arrested four times just in the last few months. Um, and most recently, I think it was yesterday, that there was an audio File made public, um, where you know she mentioned that the last time she was arrested, she was sexually assaulted, and it's nothing new. I mean, it's something that we've talked about over the last year many times about you know what these individuals go through—the the the psychological torture, the Mm -hmm. the physical torture, and so many other things. But I really just wanted to point to the strength and resilience of this generation that we've talked about so many times, and to you know just bring to light that as much as there's ebbs and flows in, in what's been happening over the last year, and you know we've talked about it a lot. Where things have gotten quieter, there are still individuals like Nazilan who are fighting, you know, tooth and nail. So yeah,
0: mm-hmm. we talk about so many. The term "brave journalist" gets thrown around in the North mm-hmm. American context. Exactly. Think about this: a 23-year-old woman who's who's been to jail four times in Iran, mm-hmm. and what she's what she's doing, what she's standing for. It is remarkable. Um, all right. Thank you both for being here. Uh, Next week is our season launch of Rook. Um, The Uprising one year later. I can promise you all that there is a... uh, We've already confirmed um, some really interesting and prominent names from around the Iranian uh, diaspora across the world uh, who will be joining us for this uh, launch and this show that is uh, also in tribute to uh, One Year of the Uprising. So we'll be back for that. In the meantime, thank you, Pega. Thank you. Thank you, Masajan.
2: Thank you, both.
0: This is full time for Rook for today. Remember, for all things Rook-related, go to our website, rookmedia.com rookmedia.com Thanks to the amazing team who put this show together. Back together forever for another season. Talented Anahita, smart Pega, super Parisa, savvy Roham, bearded Omid, methodical Kaveh, <laughs> Kaveh, and Soundperson Louise. Thank you to all of you out there supporting us and sharing our content. Please subscribe if you haven't done so already on any or all of our platforms. Remember, you can support us at rookmedia.com. You can find me on Instagram at giangomeshi. See you for our big season launch next week. In the meantime, Mizumbashi.